0: You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2, God's Eternality. Squeezed in between Numbers 15 and 16, we have the only psalm written by Moses, so we'll study it now. This is different from the Song of Moses recorded after the Red Sea crossing in Exodus 15. This one is recorded in the Book of Psalms, which is the hymn book of Israel. It is subtitled, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. The phrase, Man of God, is a technical term used over 70 times in the Old Testament, always referring to someone who spoke for God. And the main idea in this prayer is to ask God to have mercy on frail human beings. Moses begins by calling God their dwelling place throughout all generations. He has been their sanctuary for protection and sustenance. Then he praises God's eternality. God existed before he created the world. He describes God as from everlasting to everlasting. And this means from eternity past to eternity future. He has no beginning or end. He is not subjected to time, but is himself the originator of time. Ray Comfort in the Evidence Bible says, He can move through time as a man flips through a history book. All other beings are created, and even if they are immortal, like angels, they are not eternal, like God. There was a point when they were created, whereas God is the only uncreated one. Verses 3-10, to 10, The Brevity of Human Life In in contrast to our eternal God, people are mere mortals. He speaks of God summoning people to return to dust, because they are mortal, or subject to death. This, means, this reminds us of Genesis 3.19 and God's curse on Adam, and by extension, to all people. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return." And this is the origin of the phrase said at funerals from dust to dust. The decree of death is inescapable. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Some versions use the word appointed instead of destined. And I've also heard death called an appointment you must keep. Then continuing the idea that God is above time and forever in the now, it says a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Peter mentions this idea in 2 Peter 3.8 in reference to the day of the Lord, which may seem slow in coming. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And this is not to say this is an equivalency, like a key on a map where one inch equals a thousand miles, for example, but just to say that God's relationship to time is different from ours. He contrasts a thousand years or a millennium to one 24-hour day that has already passed and cannot be retrieved, or a watch in the night, which was a four-hour period of time. To us, who live within the confines of time and space, the difference is astronomical. But to God, they are the same. Matthew Henry says, A thousand years are nothing to God's eternity. Between a minute and a million of years, there is some proportion. Between time and eternity, there is none. All the events of a thousand years, whether past or to come, are more present to the eternal mind than what was done in the last hour is to us. Then Moses says, Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. And some versions say you carry them away like a flood, which implies sudden judgment. The brief life of a person is compared to grass, which can be sprouted and destroyed the same day. Our lives are brief and temporary. Job understood this idea and compared the days of his life to a weaver's loom, which moves rapidly, almost in the blink of an eye, and the idea is that he is knocked about and then is cut off like the excess thread. Sometimes people try to downplay the universal fear of death by dismissing it as just part of life, but it is not natural, and if not for the fall in the Garden of Eden, no one would die. It is a sign of God's anger on mankind for our sin. Though we'd rather not think of it, we gain much wisdom by meditating on the brevity of life, the certainty of death, and the eternality of God who rules over life and death. Ecclesiastes 7, 2 and 4 It humbles our proud hearts. None of us can keep ourselves alive any longer than God has determined for us. He says, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. And this relates to the sentence of death that hangs over our heads because of sin. Psalm 711 says, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. Some versions say, God is angry with the wicked every day. And as we saw in Numbers 15, God sees all sins, intentional and unintentional. Moses says that here, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. The Ligonier ministry likes to use the Latin term, Coram Deo, or before the face of God, to remind us that we are always under his watchful eye. Moses says, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. And this is another reference to being under the sentence of death our whole lives and then after struggling through this life of trouble and affliction, we end our lives with a sigh, recognizing it is over so soon. As some say, life is hard and then you die. But it often takes a tragedy like the death of a child to realize the brevity of life. Death comes to all, whether at 10 or 110. Although Moses himself lived to the age of 120, and yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone, that is not the case for most people. The average lifespan in North America is 77 years for men and 81 years for women, and this is the highest in the world. Whereas in Central Africa the numbers are very different, 51 for men and 55 for women. The oldest person recorded was 122, but that is extremely rare. The numbers we see in the book of Genesis in the hundreds were mostly because the people were antediluvian or pre-flood when the climate was very different. Here he says, Our days may come to seventy years, or eighty, if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. In the Evidence Bible, they have a chart that says, since the average person dies at 70 years of age, if you are 20 years old, you have about 2,500 weekends left. If you are 30, you have about 2,000 weekends left. If you are 40, you have about 1,500 weekends left. If you are 50, you have about 1,000 weekends left. If you are 60, you have about 500 weekends left. So based on that, I have about 600. So, when Jacob, or Israel, stood before Pharaoh, and he asked Jacob his age, he answered, The years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Our lives are over so soon. In the movie Wit with Emma Thompson, when she came to the end of her cancer journey, she said, It came so quickly after taking so long. Matthew Henry says, Our years, when gone, can no more be recalled than the words that we have spoken. Then Moses applies this knowledge. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Matthew Henry says, The angels that sinned know the power of God's anger. Sinners in hell know it, but which of us can fully describe it? Who among us can dwell with that devouring fire? Instead of trying to explain away life's curses, the wise person will recognize that these are effects of the fall. We live in a sin-cursed world, and all sickness, death, war, and violence are the result. Therefore, we should learn to fear God, who is angry at sin and its effects. Then we will use our time wisely. We need to evaluate time in light of the brevity of life and in comparison to eternity. Life is short, and eternity is long. In light of all he has said thus far about the brevity and futility of life, Moses appeals to God to have compassion on his servants, The word compassion means to suffer together. Then he asks God to satisfy them in the morning with his unfailing love or mercy. If God does that, then they'll be able to sing for joy and be glad all their days. He asks God to make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. So he's asking that one's days of joy would equal his days of distress. Finally, he asks that God's deeds may be shown to his servants and carry over his glory or splendor to their children. We desire that the same blessing we have received from God would also be experienced by our children. Then he asks that the favor of the Lord their God rests on them and that God would establish the work of their hands. The favor of God is also called his beauty, and this implies his delight and approval. If he does that, then a life can have value, significance, and meaning. This is a wonderful psalm to pray back to God. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Moses was called the man of God. In the New Testament, it is used of Timothy. And here we see we are under the sentence of death because of sin. Psalm 93 to 8, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this again goes back to Adam and the fall. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. So neither is this a choice made, but we are born already guilty. We don't need to make a deal with the devil, so to speak, to be condemned. But Jesus said, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So while this chapter could be discouraging, reminding us that we are guilty sinners deserving judgment, living a hard, brief life of 70 to 80 years and then dying suddenly to face judgment. This bad news is what makes the gospel message such good news. It gives us hope, since this life is not all there is. He wants God to understand how discouraged they feel. He will, when God the Son takes on flesh, he will understand all of our struggles and frailties, yet without sin. Moses asks God for mercy or loving kindness. And we have the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and hope of heaven because of God's mercy through Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Numbers chapter 16. May God bless the study of his word.